You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jotham had he trusted and completely obeyed him. I think it's the same for us. If we would just take the Lord's commandments, the two commandments that he gave us, our Lord Jesus Christ summed everything up in the two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we would do that, trust in him, serve and obey him, how much more would we be able to do in our lives? How much more would we be able to do if he was the priority of our life? Think about it. The saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, doesn't really apply to Uzziah and Jotham, the two kings of Judah. Pastor Dave shares with us today that one fell because of pride, and one was a great builder and warrior, even though he faltered along the way. Friends, God's unlimited in his capability. Will you trust and obey him? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 27, as he begins his message, The Good and the Bad. Second Chronicles chapter 27. Chapter 27 of Second Chronicles. We're working our way fastly through this book. And it is a rehash of First and Second Kings, but we're looking at some things in a different light. So we're making our way through, and hopefully you are enjoying it. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for this time that you've provided for us today. Thank you, Lord, for these saints. Ask you, Lord, that you would bless them abundantly. You would Give them the desires of their heart that they would be touched by you. And Lord, as we study your word, as we read the pages of this incredible book that is before us, may we learn more about you. May we learn more about what pleases you, what doesn't please you. May we learn about the things that we might need to do in our lives. Because Lord, we want so, so much to be pleasing to you. And we know, Lord, by your word, tells us that the only thing that pleases you is faith. So Lord, we come to you believing that you are and who you are, believing that you sent your son Jesus as a sacrifice for us, believing that we can have eternal life through him, through our faith in him. So Lord, now I ask by your spirit that you would touch our hearts as we open up your word, as we study, Lord, to show ourselves approved, as we study, Lord, to, to know things that, on these pages that you want us to know. So thank you, Lord. Bless this time we spend in Jesus' name. Amen. So last we studied King Uzziah was a good king, finished poorly because he became prideful. He entered into the temple of God to burn incense, something that was strictly forbidden by God in his law. Only the priests were allowed to do that. There were separate organizations. There were separate divisions. You had the priest, you had the prophet, and you had the kings, and they had separate responsibilities. So here you see Uzziah went in, he burned incense, and because this displeased the Lord, he was struck with leprosy, and he ended up dying. I'm going to, let's look, go back to chapter 26. Let's read the last three verses, beginning in verse 21. King Uzziah was a leper, 
until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. So Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said, he is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. So Jotham, Uzziah's son, was reigning basically all along. He was basically the king, making all the kingly decisions, even though he wasn't appointed, anointed, and crowned king. But he was being there with his father. And we're going to look at Uzziah's son and his grandson, the good and the bad. Now, everybody wants to know where the ugly is. Well, he's standing before you. Come on, look at me, come on. Anyhow, I don't know. There is an ugly in here, and we're going to look at him somewhere down the pike. So, anyhow, we look at these two kings. Jotham was another king of Judah who was generally good. This stands in a strong contrast to what was happening in the northern kingdom. In the northern kingdom, there were no good kings. One was worse than the next. But here in the southern kingdom of Judah, there were good kings, there were great kings, and there were some not-so-good kings. So we've been studying those all along. And among the kings of Judah, there were good and godly kings, but there were also some very bad kings, as I had said. So as we come now to chapter 27, Jotham is now officially king. We're going to read the entire chapter. There's only nine verses, so we're going to read the entire chapter. Then we'll go back and we'll look at it a little bit, okay? Beginning in verse 1 of 27, Jotham was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So right away you know that he's a pretty decent king, because the chronicler says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. According all that his father Uzziah had done, although he did not enter the temple of the Lord. Keep that in the back of your mind. But still, the people acted corruptly. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, and he built extensively the wall of Ophel. Moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah, and in the forest he built fortresses and towers. He also fought with the king of the Ammonites and defeated them. And the people of Ammon gave, Ammon gave him in that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, and 10,000 of barley. And the people of Ammon paid this to him in the second and third years. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his way before the Lord his God. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways, indeed are they written, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And he was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. So Jotham rested with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. Now although he was considered a good king, we read in 2 Kings that he didn't do everything like he was supposed to. He was considered a good king, but he was a half-heartedly good king. He didn't take down the high places where the people went to worship. Remember, this was something that God had wanted them to do, but he refused to do that. Notice the last part of verse 2. The last part of verse 2 says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to 
all that his father Uzziah had done, although he did not enter the temple of the Lord, but still the people acted corruptly. Notice this. Several things worth mentioning here. Jotham did not enter the temple of the Lord. Maybe he saw the problem his father had and he was irritated by it. We don't know. He decided not to go into the temple. Here you have a good man, but because he failed to go and worship God, he could have been so much better. He could have been so much better. You know, well, I think it was John Corson wrote that, you know, maybe he was irritated because his father was hurt by the church. I'm sure some of you have been hurt by a church. You might have been being hurt by this church. What do you do? Stay away? It's not a good solution. It's not a good answer. I'm sure all of us can go back to look at a church that possibly you've been hurt by. What do you do? It's not a good answer. We cannot forsake the gathering of the brethren. I know people that have left this church for many reasons. I can find reasons to leave the church, so they're finding reasons to leave the church. For many reasons, they leave the church, and then they don't go anywhere. What a travesty. What a travesty. They need to go someplace where they can hear the word of God, where they can fellowship with believers one to another. This is what it's all about. Remember the four pillars of the church. Remember the four legs of the church. The apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, prayer, and fellowship. Fellowship, one to another, iron sharpening iron. When you don't come to church meeting, you don't get that. I'm not trying to be mean to you guys on Facebook and YouTube, but you could have a much better time here, a much better time with us, and you, you would get more out of it if you were with us. And I think it's important that we look at it this way. So what's holding you back from being in church? What is it? You know, I know what happens is you have a bad day. Uh, something goes wrong. Uh, you have an argument with your spouse or with your children or whatever. You have a bad day at work. And the first thing you want to do is you want to cut out church. I'm not going. Well, who's that hurt? Who does that bother? It bothers you. You're the one that gets messed up by it because this is exactly what you need to be here in fellowship with someone because you never know who the Lord's going to use in here, not just up here, but in here to minister to you to talk to you and speak to you, words of wisdom. Maybe they'll have a word of knowledge. Maybe they'll have a word of wisdom. Maybe you might need healing or something, and that'll happen after we hear the word of God. So for you to say, no, I don't want church, this is what Jotham did, and it got him into trouble. It really did. It got him into trouble. He could have been so much better. He could have been so much better. Yes, he was a good king, but he could have been a great king. He could have been a great king. And secondly, it says the people were still corrupt. A leader can lead his people to the Lord, or away from the Lord. A good leader can lead his people to the Lord or away from the Lord. And because of the corruptness of Uzziah's heart, the effects were still there. The people could not accept that which is good. In other words, the corruption that began under Uzziah continued. It continued. And I need to add this. This was the beginning of a downward spiral that the kingdom of Judah would start to take. This was the beginning of a spiral that would lead them into captivity in the Babylon. It has to start someplace, and it starts here. Yes, there are several really good kings who will still come up. Hezekiah, Josiah are good, great kings. But the seeds are already been sown, and it's tough to come all the way back. The people, like I said, Uzziah was a decent king until the end, but the people were still corrupt. Jotham was a good king, but the people were still corrupt because they've learned from the past. This is the start of that spiral. In verse 3, it says, He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now, this is really cool. 
Because he thought enough of the Lord's house to build the upper gate. So he's thinking about the Lord. He has the Lord on his mind because he's building the gate. But he didn't partake in worship. He still had a heart to serve. When kings and leaders are concerned about the house of the Lord, it reflects in a spiritual revival. When kings and leaders are worried about the house of the Lord, it reflects in a spiritual revival. And this is one of the reasons why the church, at least this church, was so upset during the coronavirus because we were deemed non-essential. How dare them? Non-essential? We're every bit as essential for someone's well-being. We know the better. Imagine, imagine if those who are in charge of our government those who are in charge of Congress, those who are in charge of the House of Representatives and all the way down, those who are in charge of the state of New Jersey, imagine if they sought the Lord. Imagine if they sought the Lord. And we saw them seeking the Lord. See, I believe firmly in my heart, this is what happened during World War II. I believe this is what happened in World War II because you always saw everybody seeking the Lord during World War II from the top all the way down. And God was always mentioned. And the nation, what happened? The nation prospered. We won a war on two fronts. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And that's what it says in Psalm 33. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So Jotham, like his father Uzziah, was a great builder and he was a great warrior. He repaired the walls of Jerusalem and he built many cities in the mountains. He built fortified things. Second Kings tells us that Jotham's army confronted the northern kingdom and Syria several times and he won great victories. The chronicle repeats this for us. and We read that a minute ago. In verse 5, he wins a huge victory over the Ammonites and he puts them under heavy tribute. He's collecting money from the Ammonites. Verse 6 is really good and explains a lot about Jotham. In verse 6, I'll read, read it. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. There's a recipe for blessings here. There is a recipe for blessings here. This is why Jotham was ultimately blessed. And if the nation's leader is blessed, who else gets blessed? The nation. Exactly. The people. This is what made him victorious. He prepared his way before the Lord his God. And it's really cool because the Hebrew word here means to direct his ways or to fashion his ways. And I don't know who wrote where I stole this from, but it says similar to if you were crossing a creek and you had intentionally placed your feet on the rock to get across safely. Jotham was intentional about his ways to the Lord. He allowed the Lord to prepare his ways and he prepared his heart. He always made orders in that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own, right? I mean, that's what you see Jotham doing here. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he will direct your steps. This is what you see, right? This is what you see happening here. So Jotham could have been a great king, but because he did not go into the temple of the Lord, he couldn't be all the Lord wanted him to. We always wonder the what if. What more would God have done with Jotham had he trusted and completely obeyed him? I think it's the same for us. If we would just take the Lord's commandments, the two commandments that he gave us, our Lord Jesus Christ summed everything up in the two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we would do that, trust in him, serve and obey him, how much more would we be able to do in our lives? 
How much more would we be able to do if he was the priority of our life? Think about it. How much more would we be able to do for the kingdom of God? It's all about advancing the kingdom, folks. I hope you're hearing that here. It's all about, you know, we think, oh, I'll get a blessing if I do that. Well, yeah, you will, but it's better to advance the kingdom. I'm sorry. It's better to get the kingdom going. I did steal this from Corson. We believers will not be what the Lord would have us to be if we forsake the gathering of believers. I like that. Hebrews 10, 25, we quote it all the time. Don't forsake the gathering of the believers. Don't forsake it. Here's an interesting fact. In the history of the Jews, we frequently find a godly father begetting an ungodly son and an ungodly father raising a godly son. Jehoshaphat begat bad King Jehoram, but godly King Joash gave son to a godly son Amaziah, grandson Uzziah, and great-grandson Jotham. However, we will see that Jotham's son Ahaz was not a good king nor a godly man, and he would beget King Hezekiah, who was a great king one of the best kings, and Hezekiah begets Manasseh, who was probably the worst of them all. So go figure. What are you going to say to that? Well, I have this. God is sovereign. He's in sovereign in his gifts. He gives gifts to individuals, and he gives gifts to nation. The Lord was long-suffering towards his people during their most difficult times. Why? Why was he so long-suffering with the nation Judah? Give me a name. David. We said it many times. He was long-suffering with the nation Judah because there's where the the Davidic covenant came from, the nation Judah. But time was running out. After Ahaz dies, only Hezekiah and Josiah would be honor the Lord God and seek to obey his will, like I said. Yet in spite of all their sins and their failings, the Lord maintained a godly remnant in the nation, even from a godly remnant from so that the Messiah would be eventually born. God was able. Nothing thwarts the plan of God. Nothing thwarts the plan of God for a nation, for an individual, for the world. Nothing thwarts the plan of God. This is why we can truthfully say that soon and very soon we're going to see the Lord. He's coming back to take us home. Nothing thwarts his plan. It's biblical. Reread it. Nothing thwarts his plan. Then the seven years after that will be nothing but a great tribulation. And at that time, Jesus will return. And we will return with him. And he will set up his kingdom. And it will be a thousand-year reign. Nothing thwarts the plan of God. It will happen according to what we read. So Jotham dies and is buried. And his son, Ahaz, takes his place. Now we're moving into those final stages of the deterioration of the nation before its destruction. See, this is just like a compromise. A compromise happens a little bit at a time until you're at a point where you wonder how you got there. The deterioration of the nation of Judah is happening a little bit at a time until it reaches a point. It reaches an apex, and it's all over. We're moving into that time. Ahaz is now king, and he leads the nation into a downward spiral that it cannot recover from. Even with the reforms of Hezekiah and the reforms of Josiah, it doesn't recover all the way. It doesn't make it back where it's supposed to be. How quickly they bounce back into idolatry. Let's read verses 1 through 4 in chapter 28. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and did not do what was right in the Son of the Lord as his father David had done. So the chronicler doesn't say anything about Jotham, doesn't say anything about Amaziah, doesn't say anything about Uzziah. He goes all the way back to his forefather, David. 
which was the greatest king Israel had ever seen. He was the greatest king. And here's the reason. For he, Ahaz, walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made molded images for the Baals. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. This was not a nice guy. This is a wicked person. It's really during his reign that the kingdom sinks to a lowest level it had ever been spiritually. It sinks to the lowest level. He is a son of Jotham, where Joshua was deemed a good king, and the nation prospered. Ahaz, on the other hand, is not a godly man or a godly king. He is a bad king, and he has gone from good to bad. We've come from a good king to a very, very bad king. And instead of discovering the will of God, Ahaz imitated the wicked kings of Israel, walking in their ways. He rejected the godly heritage of David and embraced the foreign gods, even going so far as imitating the pagan practices of Assyria. This was a wicked dude. One practice in particular that was talked about here in the first four verses was human sacrifice. Specifically, infant sacrifice. We read in 2 Kings that he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. This was one of the reasons why the Lord had them come into Canaan and get rid of all these things so they wouldn't be influenced by them. This was not only a practice of Baal, but it was a practice of the mainly terrible pagan god Molech. It was believed that if a person placed their oldest son in the arms of the statue of this pagan god, his family would be prosperous. And upon studying further, it seems that they would heat the arms of the statues to a glowing hot. Then they would take their infant child and place him in there, and he would burn up. And they would beat drums loud enough to overcome his cries. Burnt to death. And according to the Mosaic Law, Leviticus 18, Deuteronomy 18, and Leviticus 20, this was strictly forbidden. Strictly forbidden, the worship of elect, human sacrifices. Well, Dave, that was then. Really? Really? You want me to say it? Many of us sacrifice our children. Many of us sacrifice our children for our careers. We sacrifice our children for our happiness. We sacrifice our children for personal gain in order for us to be prosperous. And then there's abortion, where we're sacrificing children every single day. They're being sacrificed. They're being sacrificed so I can have a better life because I don't want to be saddled with a kid. I didn't want to become pregnant, so it becomes a form of birth control. I didn't want this. I didn't want that. Sad situation. According to God's law, Jewish sons are supposed to be redeemed by sacrifice and then offered to the Lord. They belong to God, especially the firstborn. And I'm not talking about them being sacrificed. I'm talking about the parents offering a sacrifice. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave is sharing teachings that comes out of the ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave has been in the book of 2 Chronicles. Within this book, you get to know all kinds of characters who made an impact on Israel's history, good or bad. A notable lesson that's given through this account is that God gives blessing to His people when they remain faithful. But when people allow their sin nature to take over, it's easy to see how things start to unravel and then fall apart. Just like a closely knit stitch on a blanket, the people of God were blessed and stayed united with God while they were following His ways. But when they turned to their own devices, they just became a tangled mess of yarn in a sense. Their purpose and plan became useless when they were following their own way and what they thought was best. Isn't it easy to get into this type of situation where you think you know better than God? Before you know it, you've become your own tangled and messy pile of yarn as well. How about following God's pattern and seeing the benefit of what that brings? If you'd like to hear more messages from 2 Chronicles, learning of God's faithfulness, go to assurehoperadio.com and look under the Messages tab. Well, we're about out of time for today's edition, but we encourage you to think and pray about what God's teaching you personally through this series in 2 Chronicles. Come back here next time to hear Pastor Dave share more on Assure Hope.